0: Welcome to Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup. Here's a look at some of our Caribbean headlines for today. Perlusi has signed the Puerto Rico Minimum Wage Act into law. St. Croix Energy engages Greenhill to explore bid for Lime Tree Bay refining assets. Jamaica elected to Pan American Health Organization Executive Committee. CARICOM foreign ministers meet U.S. Deputy Secretary of State. Vaccines, climate change, among issues raised. And St. Kitts and Nevis establishes diplomatic relations with Egypt. These and other stories on today's Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup for Thursday, September 23rd. We start a report today in Puerto Rico. Pre-Employ reports that Puerto Rico Governor Pedro Pierluisi has signed the Puerto Rico Minimum Wage Act into law. This law will supersede the existing federal minimum wage law starting on January 1st, 2022. As of now, the minimum wage in Puerto Rico is the federal minimum wage of $7.25 and has not been increased over a decade. Another important aspect of this law is that it will create a minimum wage review board that will be charged with reviewing and potentially adjusting the minimum wage every two years as well as issuing certain decrees to set minimum wages for certain positions and industries. Under this new law, Puerto Rico's minimum wage will be automatically adjusted to $8.50 an hour, starting on January 1st, 2022, and then to $9.50 beginning on July 1st, 2023, then to $10.50 an hour on July first, 2024. This raise in minimum wage will apply to all employees covered by the by the Fair Labor Standards Act assuming The newly established Minimum Wage Review Board does not provide otherwise. There are a number of exceptions to this new minimum wage, starting with all government employees, including legislative, judicial, and municipal government employees. Agricultural workers are excluded from this new legislation, as well as those regarded as executives, administrators, and professionals under the definitions provided in Regulation 13, of the minimum wage board. Those employees that are provided with a set wage under a collective bargaining agreement will receive the higher of the given wage or the new minimum wage provided by the new law or a decree issued by the Minimum Wage Board. Employees that are paid TIPS must receive the federal minimum wage and then add it to TIPS. It must be equal to the minimum wage set by the new law or a decree set by the minimum wage board. This board will provide yearly reports on employment conditions and then have the power to act on these conditions by adjusting the minimum wage through mandatory decrees. The new law provides penalties for violations of the minimum wage policy, including fines of up to $5,000 for the first offenses and up to $10,000 for repeated offenses. also provides for automatic double damage on all unpaid wages, as well as longer time to bring claims. The Virgin Islands Consortium reports that newly formed St. Croix Energy is working with Green Hill and Company. As a financial advisor to explore a bid for Lime Tree Bay refining assets on St. Croix U.S. Virgin Islands. This is according to Reorg research. According to Reorg, citing sources familiar with the matter, St. Croix Energy recently listened to pitches from investment banks. The company is represented by ropes and grays in Lime Tree Bay's refining Chapter 11 cases. The refinery pushed out the deadlines related to its sale process last week. The debtors now need to pick an initial bidder called a stocking horse by October 18th. The deadline to host an auction is October 29th at 11 a.m. Eastern time, and a sales hearing needs to happen by November 20th, Reorg said. Also, during the last week's bankruptcy proceedings, which is taking place in Texas and being presided over by Judge David Jones, the new deadline for the winning bidder to close the sale transaction is December 3rd, 2021, and the new deadline for a backup bidder to close the sale transaction is December 10th, 2021. Jamaica Information Service reports that Jamaica has been named to the Executive Committee of the Pan American Health Organization and will serve for the 2021 to 2024 term. The committee acts as a working party of the Pan American Health Organization Conference or Directing Council, and is comprised of nine member states of the organization. In welcoming Jamaica's election to the committee, Jamaica's Minister of Health and Wellness, Dr. The Honorable Christopher Tufton, noted that Jamaica is pleased to be elected to this committee and looks forward to making a meaningful contribution. We are at a critical time in public health globally, and the region must mount a united response not only to the current global pandemic, but the ever-prevailing burden of non-communicable diseases, as well as other new and merging health conditions and challenges that our health system faces. Jamaica, Bolivia, and Argentina were the new elected members that will serve with Costa Rica, Haiti, Mexico, Brazil, Cuba, and Suriname. The new members were elected on Day 3, of the 59th meeting of the Pan American Health Organization Directing Council, which is currently underway in Washington, D.C. The Pan American Health Organization Directing Council is responsible for setting the organization's policies and priorities for technical cooperation, as well as discussing matters of public health significance and agreeing on the way forward for the region. Foreign ministers of the Caribbean Community CARICOM impressed upon the United States Deputy Secretary of State Wendy Sherman the urgency for the delivery of the second branch of donations of Pfizer vaccines from the United States. The minister and Ms. Sherman, along with Assistant Secretary of State For Western Hemispheres Affairs, Ambassador Brian Nichols held a virtual dialogue on Tuesday, September 21st, in the margins of the U.N. General Assembly. The United States delivered the first shipments of donated Pfizer vaccines last August, with the second shipment planned for this month. Ministers, while expressing their deep appreciation for the generosity of the U.S., underlined the importance of maintaining the schedule, given the spike in COVID-19 infections in many member states. They stressed the importance of vaccines to both the health and economic sectors of of the community. In her opening statement to the meeting, CARICOM Secretary General, Her Excellency Carla Barnett, stated that the impact of COVID has been disproportionately large on small states, especially where tourism is the major source of economic activity. CARICOM ministers also took the opportunity to press the case for increased climate ambition and financing for adaptation as well as the acceptance of the Multidimensional Vulnerability Index as the main criterion for access to concessional development financing. There was also a strong emphasis on action being taken at the upcoming Climate Summit COP26 in Glasgow, United Kingdom to scale up the ambition to cut greenhouse gas emissions. Failure to do so would imperil the existence of CARICOM member states, the U.S. delegation was told. A request was also made for a meeting with U.S. Climate Envoy Secretary John Kerry. The concern over the failure of developed countries to meet the commitment to provide 100 billion U.S. dollars a year by 2020 to assist developing countries to adapt to climate change was also pointed out. Ministers emphasized that given the classification of most CARICOM states as high or middle income countries, they could not access concessional development financing due to the use of GDP per capita as the main criterion. They underlined the importance of putting into place New models of financing and using more apt criterion based on vulnerability. The CARICOM Pro Tempore Chairman Chet Green of Antigua and Barbuda thanked the Deputy Secretary of the United States for the opportunity to meet. Deputy Secretary Sherman indicated that she has taken note of the concerns and would be relaying them to U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Bilkins. MyView News reports that on Tuesday, September 21st in New York, the Honorable Mark Brantley, Minister of Foreign Affairs of St. Kitts and Nevis, signed a joint announcement with the Arab Republic of Egypt establishing diplomatic relations. The announcement states that both countries pledge to develop mutual beneficial trade, social, economic, and cultural ties in the interests of strengthening peace and international cooperation. During the brief signing ceremony, Foreign Minister Brantley and his Egyptian counterpart, His Excellency Shami Shukri, pledge deepened partnerships and solidarity between Ketitians and Novitians and the Egyptian people and to exploit our historical and cultural connections," Minister Brantley assured Minister Chakroy, that St. Kitts and Nevis stands ready to engage closely with Egypt. Minister Brantley also discussed further cooperation to ease the travel of St. Kitts-Nevis nationals to Egypt and vice versa. This engagement was held in the margins of the opening of the 76th Session of the United Nations held in New York. Newsday Trinidad reports that agriculture is critical to food security and sustainability, especially now that countries worldwide are struggling to survive a pandemic. Trinidad and Tobago have put into place to decrease its food import bill and promote local agriculture. With the 2021-2022 budget set for October 4th in Trinidad and Tobago, the public is anxiously awaiting the allocations for various sectors. Last year, Trinidad and Tobago's agriculture sector was allocated $1.198 billion with an additional $500 million agricultural stimulus package. In his budget presentation on October 5th, 2022, Trinidad and Tobago's Finance Minister Combe Embert told Parliament the allocation would account for an increase of 70% for the sector. He also proposed a tax-free industry in which taxes and duties and all inputs and resources registered for agricultural purposes would be removed to encourage greater participation. Issues within the agricultural sector were again addressed on the Roadmap to Recovery and several short-term plans were put into place to reduce imports which stood for over $4 billion and to increase productivity, capacity and accessibility to domestic produce. In June this year. The Minister of Planning and Development, Camille robinson Regis, said the $500 million stimulus package would allow for the Ministry of Agriculture Land and Fisheries to undertake critical projects in a timely manner. Added to the list of challenges for the sector has been the impact of climate change, which has caused problems for both produce farmers and livestock farmers. Recently, heavy rain destroyed crops, infrastructure, while livestock farmers have been hard hit by a rise in feed prices. A combination of factors, including the negative effects of the COVID-19 pandemic, such as increased shipping and increase in raw material costs, have created rising food prices across the board for consumers. A 2020 Oxford Business Report said, agriculture still lags behind other sectors and countries to be overshadowed by the energy-driven economy. However, strides have been taken in the areas of training and farm development. CEO of the National Agricultural Marketing and Development Corporation, Nirmala Debsingh Persad, said in an interview with the Oxford Business that a cooperative approach was needed to boost production and exploit Trinidad and Tobago's agricultural capabilities. The most important step for developing agriculture is to apply a commodity approach which focuses on commercialization of individual crops, taking into consideration all the agronomic practices, post-harvest technologies, and marketing principles for sustainable, economic, viable, and competitive production, she said. Similarly, an Economic Commission for Latin America and the Caribbean report in February last year said that there was room for expansion and diversification of exports in the agro-processing industry. The Agricultural Ministry has launched a series of free training programs in crop production, home gardening, livestock production, introductory organic farming, farm management and marketing, pasture management, improved livestock practices, fertilizer usage and effective pest management to assist farmers. It has also been working and receiving investments from the United Nations Food and Agriculture Organization, the European Union and the Inter-American Institute for Corporation on Agriculture. This has been your Pulse of the Caribbean Caribbean News Roundup for Thursday, September 23rd. I'm Keisha Wallace. For more Caribbean news stories and information, visit us online at pulseofthecaribbean.com and follow us on Facebook.